This is a vision of the sovereign Lord revealed to Obadiah concerning the land of Edom. We have heard a message from the Lord that an ambassador was sent to the nations to say, Get ready, everyone. Let's assemble our armies and attack Edom. The Lord says to Edom, I will cut you down to size among the nations. You will be greatly despised. You have been deceived by your own pride because you live in a rock fortress and make your home high in the mountains. Who can ever reach us away up here, you ask boastfully. But even if you soar as high as eagles and build your nest among the stars, I will bring you crashing down, says the Lord. If thieves come at night and robbed you, what a disaster awaits you. They would not take everything. Those who harvest grapes always leave a few for the poor. But your enemies will wipe you out completely. Every nook and cranny of Eden will be searched and looted. Every treasure will be found and taken. All your allies will turn against you. They will help to chase you from your land. They will promise you peace while plotting to deceive and destroy you. Your trusted friends will set traps for you and you won't even know about it. At that time, not a single wise person will be left in the whole land of Edom, says the Lord. From the mountains of Edom, I will destroy everything. Sorry, sorry, I will destroy everyone who has understanding. The mightiest warriors of Teman will be terrified, and everyone in the mountains of Edom will be cut down in the slaughter. Because of the violence you did to your close relatives in Israel, you will be filled with shame and destroyed forever. When they are invaded, you stood aloof, refusing to help them. Foreign invaders carried off their wealth and cast lots to divide up Jerusalem. But you acted like one of Israel's enemies. You should not have gloated when they exiled your relatives to distant lands. You should not have rejoiced when the people of Judah suffered such misfortune. You should not have spoken arrogantly in that terrible time of trouble. You should not have plundered the land of Israel when they were suffering such calamity. You should not have gloated over the destruction when they were suffering such calamity. You should not have seized their wealth when they were suffering such calamity. You should not have stood at the crossroads killing those who tried to escape. You should not have captured the survivors and handed them over in their terrible time of trouble. The day is near when I, the Lord, will judge all godless nations. As you have done to Israel, so it will be done to you. All your evil deeds will fall back on your heads. Just as you swallowed up my people on my holy mountain, so you and the surrounding nations will swallow up the punishment I pour out on you. Yes, all you nations will drink and stagger and disappear from history. But Jerusalem will become a refuge for those who escape. It will be a holy place. And the people of Israel will come back to reclaim their inheritance. The people of Israel will be a raging fire and Edom a field of dry stubble. The descendants of Joseph will be a flame roaring across the field, devouring everything. There will be no survivors in Edom. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then my people living in the Negev will occupy the mountains of Edom. Those living in the foothills of Judah will possess the Philistine plains and take over the fields of Ephraim and Samaria. And the people of Benjamin will occupy the land of Gilead. The exiles of Israel will turn to their land and occupy the Phoenician coast 
as far north as Zarephath. The captives from Israel exiled in the north will return home and resettle the towns of the Negev. Those who have been rescued will go up to Mount Zion in Jerusalem to to rule over the mountains of Edom, and the Lord himself will be king. Amen. Now, if you do have your Bible with you this morning, or please do use one of our new church Bibles, uh, then to turn back to the book of Obadiah. Now, good things come in small packages, so they say. Is that not true? And it is unusual, isn't it, that we can read the whole book of uh, one of well, one of the books of the Bible in one sitting, and even more unusual. Uh, that we can read a book of the Bible at one sitting, as we have done already this morning. So if you are working through your books of the Bible, you've only got 65 to go. You've read one already this morning. Now, during this series, what we've attempted to do is to look at the, the major themes in the minor prophets. And that has meant picking up on a, a chapter or less of each book to, to focus on. And by necessity, that has been selective. But there's been no such need today, has there? Because we've been able to read the whole book of Obadiah. Now, in this series in the Minor Prophets, uh, I also said a few weeks ago uh, in our introduction uh, that they were roughly ordered uh, in size order. Why are the Minor Prophets the Minor Prophets? Because they're shorter in length, that is not in stature, uh, than the major prophets. But the minor prophets themselves are kind of ordered in size order. Though you will notice, however, that we've looked at two longer books in Hosea and Amos. You remember Joel was only three chapters and Obadiah is only one chapter. So it's roughly in size order, but that's not exact. What's also important to recognize is that these books are also roughly chronological. They start with the oldest going to the newest. And they do seem to cluster around certain themes. And so certain themes that we see in Obadiah, we've also seen in Amos, and we've also seen in Joel, and we've also seen in Hosea. Now, I do say that these are roughly ordered chronologically because as we read Obadiah, we have very little to go on as to who Obadiah was and when he prophesied and into what context that he prophesied. And commentators debate this. Indeed, there's even discussions as to how to pronounce Obadiah because that's not even certain. So there's quite a lot of obscurity around this certain book this morning. But what is clear is the message that Obadiah brings, because it's a message against Edom. Now, as we saw in the video, the Edomites were the descendants of Esau. Remember how Esau sold his birthright to Jacob, and it was on Jacob's line that the people of Israel came. And remember, as it said in the video, that Jacob's other name was Israel. And even though Israel and Edom were so closely related, it's clear that rather than acting like brothers, that they've been 
enemies, trying to knock each other out. For example, back in the book of Exodus, the Edomites denied Israel passage through their land. We see this in Numbers chapter 20. Remember, people of Israel, slaves in Egypt, miraculously delivered from Egypt by the Lord under the leadership of Moses, and they come into the wilderness. They're about to come into the promised land, but the Edomites don't let them through. And then we have the the kings of Israel, Saul, David, Solomon. And we have records that they all fought the Edomites. And so there's this constant tension between Israel and Edom. However, after the fall of Jerusalem, Edom took advantage of the moment. And they cooperated with the Babylonians, or they launched independent raids into Jerusalem and Judah. And this probably serves as a stimulus for the book of Obadiah. And it was probably around this period that it was written. That time when Israel is going to be exiled, and Edom is trying to take advantage. And rather than helping Israel, what are they doing? Not helping them at all. Rather than helping Israel in their time of need, Edom refuses to help. They've stood aloof. Indeed, they've tried to take advantage of the situation. They have plundered the land. We see that in verse 13. And they've gloated over the destruction of Israel. We see that in verse 14. And because of how Edom has acted, we see in this book, in Obadiah, that the Lord is going to bring destruction upon them. That Edom is not going to escape. You see, it seems to me from some of the language that is used here, that Edom is very much trusting in itself. As verse 3 says, they are deceived by their own pride. They think they're safe. They're like living in a, in a rock fortress. Now, I realize that when I put that picture together, it's got steps up to it. That's not the best picture of a fortress, is it? But we know what a fortress is. It's got really strong walls, small windows, so you can't be attacked. It's it's tall. It's usually on a vantage point. Edom thinks they're safe. They think they're untouchable. The Lord makes it clear that no matter how high they go, they're not beyond His reach. What does it say in Obadiah? The Lord says, even if you soar as high as eagles and build your nest among the stars, which strikes me as being pretty high, I think. Even if the Lord, even if they do this, the Lord will bring them crashing down. The people of Edom are not beyond His reach. And the Lord says that Edom will be totally destroyed. Now, at this point, you might be asking yourself, well, what's this got to do with us here in West Kilbride in 2023? Because surely this is about the judgment of a certain people in a certain place at a certain time, which incidentally must have come true because we don't hear of Edom today, do we? As was pointed out in the video Verse 15 is the pivot. It's the pivot in this whole book. 
because it points to something more universal. Yes, this is about Edom. Yes, it's about the judgment that's going to be brought on them because of what they've done to Israel. But there's something more universal that's applicable to us today. Because it says in verse 15, the day is near when I, the Lord, will judge all the godless nations. As you have done to Israel, so it will be done to you. All your evil deeds will fall back on your heads. Now, if you remember back to Amos, as we looked at last week, we saw that there were prophecies in the book of Amos that were against all the different nations, almost almost kind of encircling Israel until there was a prophecy against Israel itself. And we've also thought in the past few weeks about the day of the Lord, a day that the Lord will bring when there will be judgment. Now, in the context here, we see that there is a sense in which a day is coming, a day of the Lord is coming when Israel will be restored. Yes, they're going to be exiled. Yes, Edom has tried to take advantage. But there will be a time when they will come back to Jerusalem and Jerusalem will be restored once more. Now, what's probably in mind here is what you find in the book of Ezra and the book of Nehemiah, where the walls of Jerusalem are rebuilt, where the temple is rebuilt once more, where the people of Israel are restored to their land. There will be that day that comes. And though Edom and the other nations seem to be on top at this particular time, that though Israel will be exiled, that there will be that day when Israel will return to their land. Indeed, there will be a time when Israel will rule over the mountains of Edom, and the Lord himself will be king. Now, as well as this being true for Edom, there's also a sense in which this is true for all nations. Because the day of the Lord is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. Now, sometimes when we think of the day of the Lord, we see the judgment and the destruction. And we've seen it in Obadiah today. We think, well, this is hard going. This is, this is pretty tough going, isn't it? Destruction's going to be brought and, oh, it's hard. Sometimes when we think of the day of the Lord, we think it's all about judgment and destruction. And we think to ourselves, all that's going to be hard and difficult. There's death, destruction, all these things. I want you to remember here that as we've seen in the other minor prophets so far, we are reminded of something about the Lord's character. What is it that we're reminded about the Lord's character? Yes, He is a judge. Yes, He is a God of justice. But what else do we learn about Him? He's slow to anger, and He is abounding in steadfast love. That's what we also learn, isn't it? that He is a God who is slow to anger and abounding in love. Yes, He's a God who is pure. Yes, He's a God who is just. Because God does not judge unfairly or without just cause. Now, when you come to a passage like this today in a book like Obadiah, 
and you see the judgment, you think, oh, this is tough going. I want you just to think and reflect today. Is God being a just judge a good thing? Is it good that God is, is fair in all that he does? I believe it's a good thing. It's a good thing for us to remember that there is a day coming when justice will be done and will be seen to be done. You see, we see, for example, what's happening in in Ukraine presently. We see the unfairness. We see the injustice of it all. We see many innocent people who are suffering. What would we rather? Would we rather that the Lord did nothing? Or is it a source of, of comfort and satisfaction that the Lord is just and fair? And that there will be a day when things will be made right and people will be held accountable. Is that not a source of comfort? You see, when you read Obadiah here in the Old Testament, I don't know about you, but I can't help think about what happens in the New Testament. Because here in Obadiah, there's a sense, isn't there, towards the end of the book, Jerusalem is restored. But if you go right to the end of the Bible, to the book of Revelation, what do we have? Well, we have the new Jerusalem, a sense in which everything has been destroyed and then everything is made new. Obadiah says the Lord himself will be king. And we know that in the New Testament, a king came, the king of kings, who came to be served and not to serve, who came to be not, goodness, I need to get that. You know what I mean. He came not to be, he came to serve, didn't he? He came to serve. Let's just put it that way. He came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came not to be served. You see, in all these minor prophets where there's judgment and destruction, where perhaps we're uneasy, perhaps that's because we fear the day of the Lord. And that's my question to you here in 2023, here in West Do you fear the day of the Lord? Is that why you're uneasy when you look at a book like Obadiah? Because we all know, if we're honest to ourselves, that there are times when we have, we have not served the Lord. We know that, don't we? Even this past week, there will be times when we've not served the Lord. We all know we're imperfect. Now, if we are not a believer in Jesus, then we ought to fear. Because justice will be done. And it will be a fearful day for us. We deserve the judgment that is to come. That's the warning. That's the warning we find throughout the Bible. The day of the Lord is coming. But I also want to say to you this morning, and please don't miss this, that if we are a believer in Christ, then we have nothing to fear. Nothing. You see, it's not that God overlooks our sin or fails to do anything about it, but Jesus comes into the world to face the judgment 
that we deserve. He pays the price so that we don't have to. And all this means that when the day of the Lord comes, and we believe as Christians that that day is coming, there will be a day when Jesus will come back in glory. It is a day when we'll all be accountable. But when we trust in Jesus, it means that when the day of the Lord comes, when justice will be done, and when justice will be seen to be done, that we are covered by the righteousness of Christ. Jesus, the one who is perfect and whose blood covers every sin and spot and stain. He pays the price. And it's all of grace. So when we see the destruction here in the Old Testament, we ought to be a bit disturbed within us. Because it's a warning. It's a warning that the day of the Lord is coming and that no one will escape it. We see that for Edom. They think they've got their fortress. They're not going to escape. They think they're soaring above everything like an eagle with their nest away up in the stars, but they're not going to escape. Because the Lord is inescapable. And if we're here this morning and we think, well, I'm probably good enough. Yes, I've done some bad things in my life, but hey, you're wrong. This is a warning to you. It's a warning that the day of the Lord is coming. And there's only one way to escape it. You see, the day of the Lord is coming. And out with Jesus, no one will escape it. Not the rich. Not the powerful. Not those who think they are out with God's grasp as Edom did. It will be a day of reckoning. Indeed, Jesus himself warned of it. Sometimes we think, don't we? Old Testament, well, God of judgment. New Testament, nice, loving. Some hard things in the New Testament. Jesus himself said some very hard things. What did Jesus say? He said that the day of the Lord was coming. And it was coming like a thief in the night. And that we were to be ready. Jesus said such things as a warning so that those who heard his message would be ready and prepared. And the question for us to ponder as we think about the judgment to come, and I'm glad that judgment is coming. Why? Because God is fair. God is just. Everything will be made right. No one will just get away with it. But the question for us to ponder this morning is are we ready? Are we prepared? Or are we like Edom? We think we're out with the grasp of the Lord, that there's no way that He can reach us. Are we dozing our way to destruction? You see, there are many in our world who are exactly like Edom, full of pride, trusting in themselves, oppressing others, thinking that there's no comeback, there's no thought of the Lord at all. No thought that we're going to be accountable before the Almighty. But what does it say elsewhere in the Bible? 
What does it say in the book of the Psalms? The way of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it. And they are saved. They are saved. Why are they saved? Because they went the way of the Lord. Who is the way? Well, what does Jesus say? Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus is the King. This morning, let's not fear that the day of the Lord is coming. But let's be confident and let's be found trusting in Jesus so that when the day of the Lord comes, we have nothing to fear. But we can glory that God is going to make everything new. And we have a King who will reign forever, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Lord Jesus himself. Shall we just pray together? Let's pray. Lord God, in many ways, this is a challenging word for us today because we see in this book of Obadiah that there is much about judgment. There is much about how the Lord is going to make Edom accountable for all that it has done. And Father, we recognize that all of us are going to be held account. And this is only right. We are grateful that you're a God of justice and a God of fairness. Because as we look around our world, even today, we recognize there is much unfairness and injustice. There are many who are oppressed. And we are grateful, Lord God, that the perpetrators will be held accountable. But Lord God, as we see what's happening in our world, we also recognize that there is blackness in our own hearts. Because there are times when we don't even think about you. Times when in our actions and in our words, we let you down. Where we follow our own way rather than following after you. Father, we pray today that we would not doze into destruction with our sin unpaid for. Because we recognize that a price has to be paid for sin. And either we pay it ourselves or someone else pays for us. But we thank you, Lord God, that throughout the Bible, the message of the gospel is that you're a God of love. You're a God of grace. You're a God who doesn't want to destroy us, but who wants to give us life. Life in all its fullness and life everlasting. And we thank you that though we were unable to pay for our sin ourselves, that you gave us a Savior, that you gave us Jesus. Jesus who lived a perfect life, a holy life, a sinless life. Jesus who laid down his life on the cross. And we thank you that when we believe and trust in Jesus, then we are covered by his righteousness so that when the day of the Lord comes, we have nothing to fear. 
because though our sins were as scarlet, we have been made as white as snow, and we are righteous in your sight. Lord God, we thank you that there will be a day, a day of reckoning, a day when all the nations will be judged. But there will also be a day when we will see you as you are, when we will worship Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Father, we look forward to that day when we will see you in glory. Father, may your kingdom come. So, Lord God, speak to us. Through your word this day we pray. For we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.